It's just after 6 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah, what up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rabapudi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. All right, KT on a throwback Thursday, PSBR Law Studios here in Las Vegas. Panache, Boyle, Rabbit the best in personal injury. Year number five now here in the Vegas Valley, SoCal for a long time. PSBR Law, the best in personal injury. Hoping to get Brian Panache, senior partner, in studio sometime in the near future. And uh, we are going to rock and roll tonight. A lot of action as far as uh, football. And I'm not talking on the field. I'm talking off the field. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. Just nonstop coaching moves. Pete Carroll out yesterday, not by his choice, but out after 14 seasons with Seattle. And of course, Nick Saban, maybe the greatest ever of all times, at least in our lifetime, I would think he's right there. If there's not a 1-1-A, there's several others, and I'll go through a list in segment number two. But Nick Saban walking away from Alabama yesterday. And then just when you thought that may be enough. No, Bill Belichick is out after 24 seasons there as a head coach of the New England Patriots, six Super Bowl titles, and of course, you know, just a great deal of those wins with Tom Brady, greatest quarterback of all times with all those rings, but uh, he's walking away. Will he be somewhere else? Will he emerge as somewhere uh, else in the NFL? I mean, there's vacancies opening up, of course, talked about Seattle, Washington, you know, you got Carolina, there are several other ones as well, including those LA Chargers. So we don't know where Belichick's going to end up or if indeed this is it for a while until something else may surface. Now, I talked with Hondo Carpenter uh, earlier today, and that'll play in hour number two, and he'll give you the skinny as far as the Raiders situation, and he'll also reflect on those three coaches that I was just talking about. So it's going to be a fun show. We'll get things rocking and rolling. We'll do it right here from PSBR Law Studios as we do Mondays, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, and of course, Wednesday night, always at Steiner's Pub. Got a busy show. Let's get rolling. Now, the starting five, number one. Well, if that's not number one, I mean it is number one. Bill Belichick out after 24 seasons. I know sometimes I tip the hat a little bit there as far as the starting five and get into it a little bit before I should. And trust me, I'll get the uh, uh, several uh, several lashes with the wet noodle after uh, the show's over from management here at Odyssey. But at the end of the day, I just couldn't uh, keep that lid on any longer. I had to spill the beans. Belichick out. Most of you know that, of course, from earlier in the day. It's a headline. It's been everywhere. And there was uh, speculation that he could be out. But after meeting with owner Robert Kraft on Monday, we weren't sure. It seemed like the door was still left open. But Belichick indeed is out. I'm sure it's a mutual agreement that according to those that were covering the story there in the New England area, Bill Belichick out after 24 seasons against six Super Bowl titles. Remember, he coached at Cleveland and was a pretty solid defensive coordinator there for the New York Giants under Bill Parcells as well. So we'll see where Bill Belichick does emerge next, but out at New England. Number two. 
All right, number two, we're going to go right to the hardwood as far as the Lady Rebs. Look, people say, ladies basketball, what are you doing, Thompson? WNBA, that's over. Yes, we're pretty good in WNBA here in Las Vegas, right? Got back-to-back titles from our Las Vegas Aces. But Lindy LaRock, one of our own from Durango High School, and of course went on to play for Stanford and Tara Vandeveer, this lady just doesn't lose, does she? Not in the Mountain West. 27 straight wins inside the Mountain West Conference. How about a route of San Jose State last night at Cox Pavilion? 91-55. to Lady Rebs started the night, number 25. Not going to be any worse than that with that route over San Jose State's Lady Spartans. Back in action Saturday, they'll be at Air Force. We'll see them continue to move forward and hopefully continue to take care of business in the Mountain West. Lindy LaRock, hats off. You were doing one heck of a job. Meanwhile, on the men's side, we talked about their 83-73 win at Thomas and Mack against New Mexico on Tuesday night. They will be back in action on Saturday, and that'll be against Utah State. They will be at Thomas and Mack. And if you missed that game, it is on CBS Sports Network. That game will be tipping off at noon on Saturday. Number three. Yeah, believe it or not, we had matinee action in the NBA. Like, who's going to do that? Like, WNBA, they do their matinee games, especially, you know, during the summer months because their season a little bit different, so kids are out of school. But matinee style only here in the United States because where was the game? It was across the pond. No, not in England, but in Paris, France. Game already in the books. The Cleveland Cavaliers got off to a 20-point halftime lead. They cruised past the Brooklyn Nets 111 to 102. Now, bright spot for the Brooklyn Nets. They got some great bench play in the second half. Cam Thomas, 26 points. And remember Lonnie Walker, the fourth? Remember he came on the scene with those Lakers? Hey, he was drafted by San Antonio, played four years there. But then we all thought maybe this guy, he could be pretty good. Well, he came off the bench four of five from downtown, 20 points in just 25 minutes, and helped Brooklyn get back into that game. They still lose to the Cavs 111-102, but I didn't realize until I was looking up some stuff on Lonnie Walker IV. He's a, he's a Redding, Pennsylvania guy like KT. I was born in Redding, Pennsylvania way back when, way before Lonnie Walker IV. But he, too, hails from Reading, PA. 111-102, though. The Cavs will take it. They get the win, the cover, and it's in Paris, France. to leave a lasting impression there. Pretty solid effort. Why? Because Donovan Mitchell, he was that guy. 45 big ones, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, 4 steals. Did have 7 turnovers, but nonetheless, Donovan Mitchell was that free agent that my Knicks missed out on big time. Cavs win it in Paris, 111-102. Number four. Ah, the depressing news. And I thought the writing could be on the wall last night because I just didn't feel good. I don't feel good. The way this Vegas Golden Knights team is playing, it is not good. Now they're back in action at the Fortress in a little more than, a little less than an hour. But uh, let's hope that they can take care of business, get back on track, and, and get something rolling here. They play the Boston Bruins tonight. They're back in action on Saturday against Calgary at the Fortress. Here's the problem for VGK. Three and eight in their last 11. Three wins, eight losses. They start the night six points behind Vancouver. They played the same amount of games as the first place Canucks. They're four points ahead of the LA Kings, who are in third in the Pacific, but they've played four more games than the LA Kings. So that is not good. They've got to get things going. We know Swayman will be in between the pipes for the Bruins. Looks like Logan Thompson for the Golden Knights. Got to get a win streak going. Had the win against the Islanders, but got tattooed last night in Colorado. Always a tough place to win, but to get shut out, that's just not VGK. Are we spoiled? 
you darn right we're spoiled. We get a Stanley Cup in six years, but we got to turn things around. We'll see if VGK can do it tonight against Boston back in action. Number five. And number five, we're going to go right to it, and uh, we're going to just uh, put the fire out on some rumors as far as the Nick Saban opening. A lot of people thought it was going to be Dan Lanning, who's a very feisty coach over there in Eugene, Oregon, for the Oregon Ducks. But Dan Lanning came out today and said, look, I'd be honored if they offered me the job, but I'm going to come out and I'm going to squash those rumors right now. I'm staying here at Eugene. I've started something here. I think I've got a great opportunity with Oregon moving into the Big Ten to help this program excel and help Phil Knight, who's the number one booster, of course, Nike's own Phil Knight, does so much for that Oregon program. But Dan Lanning says, this is my home. This is where I'm going to win big time in college football, and we're going to do it together. I just want everybody to know here that follows the Oregon Ducks that I am indeed staying. Dan Lanning will be staying in Oregon. And that is a big uh, opening segment there uh, in the starting five because Dan Lanning's done a nice job, but he did lose those two games to Washington and Kalen DeBoer. Last night you heard uh, one of my guests say Kalen DeBoer could be that guy that ends up taking that job in Alabama. Do you really want that job? Like, who wants that job? Who wants to replace Nick Saban? You're going to be scrutinized. I mean, this guy's record is unbelievable. He has the highest winning percentage of any coach, college football, over 80%, just over 80%. That is monumental. Now, we remember him the last 17 years at Alabama, but won a national title at LSU and did a pretty good job there at Michigan State as well. So not the winningest coach in college football. But percentage-wise, especially over those 17 years with Alabama, my goodness, if they weren't in the BCS or then the 14 playoff, like we were shocked, like Alabama's not in, Alabama's not in. It's like shocking almost. And for those that weren't Alabama fans, what do we do? We start rooting against Alabama because you get sick of seeing the same team. If they're not your team, you're sick of seeing them. But when we go back and we reflect, what a job by Nick Saban. And he is a class act. There is no question. Because we see that, I don't know, the little Napoleon type guy that we look and we're like, come on, man, this guy, everything falls his way. And then you find out from those that know him closely, and you'll hear Hondo Carpenter reflect in hour number two, his relationship with Saban. But this guy's a pretty darn good man off the field as well. That's what it's all about. As my dad said, son, you know, you're going to like players throughout your life and there's going to be a lot of talented ones. But at the end of the day, It's not the uniform. It's the man in the uniform. SportsX Radio, segment number one in the books. We're going to rock and roll. We'll keep things rolling. Hour number one. Come back, and uh, I'm going to go over NFL playoffs. I'm going to give you my skinny as far as these games coming up. Got some good ones Saturday, Sunday, and, yes, a Monday night game as well with producer Mark Hoke's Eagles on the road. Who'd have thunk it? A few weeks ago, they were up for that number one seed, hosting everything in the city of brotherly love, using the brotherly shove. But now they've got to go take on Baker Mayfield in Tampa Bay, and that's how we'll close out the wild card weekend. We'll talk about it when we come back. 101.5 FM K-Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app. We're at PSBR Law Studios, a throwback Thursday. You're listening to Ken Thompson and SportsX Radio. I'll be right back. You know my wife's from Wisconsin. Are you kidding me? 
little jump around. That is the theme, of course, at the end of the third quarter with Wisconsin Badger games at Camp Randall. And the whole crowd gets up and jumps around. Doesn't matter if they're winning or losing. You never know when you see that crowd. And, uh, of course, Mark Hoke spending the hits here on a throwback Thursday. SportsX Radio, rocking and rolling. And uh, great hour number two guest, Hondo Carpenter. I love that guy, man. I mean, he really knows football inside out. Been covering it for a long time. Covers other sports as well. Knows the other sports. But football, it's where his bread is buttered, no question about it. The college level, the pro level. And he's got great relationships with a lot of people in the know and a lot of legendary coaches. So we'll get his uh, weighing in on Bill Belichick, on Nick Saban, on Pete Carroll. And uh, that is good stuff. Also, we're going to get his take on Antonio Pierce. Will he be the new head honcho there for the Raiders? And we were on the same page as far as that goes. I was really enamored with what uh, Antonio Pierce did. Five and four, the record, not great, but five and four in nine games, picking up the pieces. And again, that's not a guy that, you know, if you told me Josh McDaniels was going to be fired, right, after the uh, first eight games, I would think like, okay, well, who's going to be that heir apparent, the interim coach? And Antonio Pierce was not a guy that I would have thought of, but he was the guy that stepped up and let it be known that he wasn't all about the Patriots way and that it had to be like that. And so he stepped in and voiced his opinion and he was adamant about it. And I think, quite frankly, he was ready to walk away and didn't care if he got canned or whatnot, but he was going to open his voice up and let people know how he felt. And I'm glad he did because I really feel like there's potential for this culture to be changed back to something similar that Al Davis used to have going on with the Raiders. We talk about the Raider mystique. And a lot of folks, you know, like the New York Yankees, the Raiders, you love them or you hate them, but there's no middle ground. I think here in Vegas, there is middle ground for those that maybe don't have a favorite football team. They didn't grow up with a favorite football team, but the Raiders are here in their backyard. And the Golden Knights were easy to get behind because they were an expansion team. The Raiders, not an expansion team, but up and down California, right? Oakland to LA, back to Oakland, and Raider Nation. I mean, you'll hear other sports franchises say, so-and-so nation, and everybody that really knows sports understands Raider Nation is truly the only Raider Nation, the only sports nation. And so, you know, Raider fan from North Dakota or Florida or New Jersey, it can come out, go to Allegiant Stadium right here in Las Vegas. To me, the best possible place for the Raiders to be was Las Vegas. If there was going to be an expansion team, I'd get it. But if you were going to take any one of the franchises that were going to move and move to Las Vegas, the Raiders made the most sense. Yes, West Coast, LA not far away, Oakland not far away, short little jaunt flight-wise. But then the rest of the country, are you going to go to Oakland if you're a Raider fan and you live in Jersey? Maybe. Maybe one-time bucket list thing. But if the Raiders play in Vegas and you're a Raider fan anywhere else in the country, you're going to be like, sure, I'm going annually, baby. In fact, too bad season's not year-round. I'd go twice because a lot of people do make it out to Vegas at least twice a year from anywhere else in the country. So we'll get into that with Hondo Carpenter. Looking forward to that. I'm going to weigh in on the NFL playoffs myself, but I do want to reflect back on uh, Bill Belichick. And, you know, I've always been one that, uh, you know, respects people that can win on the field. But I like, you know, to get to know through other people, people I maybe am not that big a fan 
of off the field. And Belichick was one of those guys. Now, I did appreciate him because he was part of Bill Parcell's staff and growing up in North Jersey, you know, the Giants right there. And, you know, he was an integral part of that team with the defense and some of the greatest players that I ever saw play the game from Lawrence Taylor, Carl Banks, Harry Carson, you know, just linebackers. I mean, Gary Reasons, Pepper Johnson, they had so many great linebackers, the Giants did. And that defense was predicated on solid uh, play from the linebacking core. And Belichick was a big part of that under Parcells. Now, he didn't do a whole heck of a lot when he went to Cleveland. Uh, That was his first head coaching gig. And then New England, yeah, they, you know, we talk about the relationship with Belichick and Brady, and maybe it got dicey towards the end, and maybe even sometimes why they were going through things, but they were always that one and one A, gosh, like if you didn't like New England, if you're not a Patriots fan, you're like, gosh, dang, those two guys, man, can't stand those two guys. They're like that tag team wrestling, put it in uh, Mark Hoke terminology uh, with his professional wrestling show Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here on K-Dunn, the Mark Hoke show, but put it in those uh, terms there. And it's uh, something that you're like, gosh, get this tag team the heck out of here, man. I'm sick of them. They keep winning. God, what's going on? And I think because maybe, you know, there was the spy gate, the deflate gate, the different things that came up, right? It's almost like Roger Clemens, Barry Bonds, Rafael Palmero. You're great. Why do you have to kind of, you know, skew things your way by not being on the up and up? And that's the way I kind of felt. So I was serious about, you know, getting on Belichick and things that I thought he did that were less than, you know, scrupulous to say the least. So, but he walks away after 24 seasons, six Super Bowl titles, all of them with Brady. And uh, will he be somewhere that there is a coaching job opened up now? I don't know. Will Mike Vrabel, former player under Belichick, will he end up taking that job there? from the owner Kraft, I would think that Kraft probably has somebody already lined up, right? We talk about, you know, different coaches walking away, like Vrabel walking away from Tennessee. But that's because a lot of us feel that he already had something else potentially lined up. Could it be going back to New England? It could be. We'll wait and see. So new management over there and ownership as well with Washington, uh, you still have Carolina, the Panthers, and the Chargers. I mean, that job coveted. Now, of course, the Seattle Seahawks job opening up as well. I have a feeling Vrabel's going to end up in New England. That's my personal feeling. And I think uh, Kraft will make sure that he gets the weapons that he needs. I mean, Tennessee, they had Derrick Henry. How about that? Derrick Henry also finished down there in Tennessee, I'm thinking. I'm seeing a, a potential deal, you think? Maybe? Because Henry's only 30, still has some good years left, and we saw him run roughshod that last game, knock Jacksonville out of the playoffs. Maybe it's Vrabel and Derrick Henry, both going up to join that Patriot organization. We'll wait and see. Nick Saban, on the other hand, I mean, this guy, unbelievable at his own uh, craft and, you know, struggled in the NFL when he took over Miami's Dolphins. But again, Michigan State, LSU, got a national title there, and then 17 years at Alabama uh, won 204 games, I think, at Bama. But overall win percentage, 80.4. Pretty incredible. 19 bowl wins, 28 seasons, Saban, seven national championships, six at Bama, and, of course, the one at LSU. So he ranks sixth right now overall 
in wins. And uh, you go back and you look. Joe Pa, Joe Paterno, 409 wins. Bobby Bowden, 346 wins. Bear Bryant, 323 wins at A&M and Bama. Pop Warner, 318 wins. And then uh, Alonzo Stagg. Uh, let me see. I don't know how many he has because it's kind of it's uh, it's more than Saban. He's right in front of Saban, and did not get to see his great teams. So he was in forty-one years, led four undefeated teams, two national titles, and uh, pretty incredible there. Then Mac Brown, hard to believe. Mac Brown, you know, because we think of him as at Texas, but two tenures there at North Carolina. He's got two hundred seventy-six wins. The great Lavelle Edwards at BYU, and he was, of course, unbelievable. I mean, you thought of BYU football, you thought of Lavelle Edwards. And there were many characters that went and played, and Heisman Trophy winners. But we remember Jim McMahon there. Uh, Mark Wilson was one of those guys. Steve Young, one of those guys. And uh, uh, Detmer, Ty Detmer. I mean, there were some characters over there at BYU, but Lavelle Edwards, 257 wins. Lou Holtz, 249. Frank Beamer, 238. Schembechler, 234. That's a really good coach. Steve Spurrier won 228 games. Woody Hayes, my dad's favorite, being a Buckeye guy, 219 wins. Bill Snyder, wow, didn't think he'd be on that list. 215 wins. Don Nealon, we remember him really excelling there at West Virginia, 202 wins. And uh, Kirk Ferentz up there right now, 196 wins. He's uh, rounding out the top 20. But Saban will be missed. There's no question. Now, do I think he'll take an NFL job? I don't know. Again, the money could be out there, but he's not just a money guy. And to have the comfort of being in the booth on one of these college football shows, I mean, it really cuts down on your uh, time away from family. Because, you know, you're getting up there in age. You want to spend some quality golden year time with your wife and your family and uh, grandkids and all that good stuff. So I think uh, Saban's going to end up at the booth. I don't think he goes into the NFL. I know the money's tempting. But sometimes when you have a lot of money, how much is enough, right? I always remember uh, Sheldon Adelson right here in the Vegas Valley. Billions of dollars, right? Owner of the Venetian Palazzo. And, you know, we thought that what's now called Allegiant Stadium. I mean, Sheldon was one of the guys at the forefront of trying to make sure the Raiders came here to Las Vegas. And something happened, and I can't remember exactly. I know Goldman Sachs, and maybe it was a conflict of interest or something, but I always was like, so what? Even if it costs you a billion or two to make sure you have the naming rights, it should have been Sheldon Adelson Stadium. And then it's there and always there. And always reminding, and then people, who Sheldon, Sheldon Adelson? And it's like, and you can go back and say he was pretty iconic in the Vegas Valley for a long time, and here's what he did. Here's his attributes, but didn't happen. But I'm glad I brought that up, because I did do my radio show over there at the Venetian property for years. And I was really bummed out after COVID that uh, Legacy Stadium never reopened. Kind of bummed me out, but uh, that was a great place. I think uh, with their stadium seating, I thought it was the greatest. And Emerald Legacy's food coming out of the kitchen. I thought that was fantastic as well and always enjoyed my stuff there. But let me get into these NFL games because I want to give my skinny before we uh, close the hour with a solid wrestling interview. My good pal Mark Hoke, of course, caught up with Tommy Dreamer. And this guy is legendary, not only as a wrestler for years and years, but also a promoter 
and uh, he's back in the headlines again. So that'll be coming up to close out hour number one. And then hour number two, like I said, Hondo Carpenter joins me. So this is a special show here and uh, a big Odyssey event tonight. So uh, the reason you won't have all the live scores, but we gave you the one game that we knew was in the books when we uh, took care of business as far as the show, and that was the game over in Paris in the NBA. All right, here's what I've got as far as the skinny on these six NFL games coming up. And uh, Denzel Ward, this could be a major loss for Cleveland in the secondary you know, Houston Texans, they're at home. That's the first of the six games. The line has dropped a half point. So Houston now is plus two. They were plus two and a half. The total has not moved, 44 and a half. I don't know which way to go on that total, right? Because Cleveland's defense, they've stepped up. Houston, you know, their defense pretty good at times. I think this is one of those games that I will watch. Now, there are several that have teased the Houston Texans that I know. Teaser, of course. Uh, They're doing six-point teasers, so you'll take two teams, and you can move the spread or the total six points on two different games. And there's people that I know, people that I respect, that have the Houston Texans plus eight and a half. Now, it's down to minus two, so now it would be plus eight, but still gives you you know the full score uh, where you would have the Texans. If you tease the Browns, you'd only be plus four, right? Because they're minus two. You're going to move it six points that way. So uh, the Texans are a popular teaser. But they've got some really solid players, young players that have stepped up big time. Uh, Yeah, I I would just say Collins has been one of those guys. Nico Collins, it's been outstanding as far as receiving the ball. Noah Brown's been banged up. When he's in there and Collins, that's a really lethal combination. Still have Robert Woods as well. Offensive line holds its own. Like Dalton Schultz, remember the solid tight end from Dallas, came over from the Cowboys. But C.J. Stroud, this kid, unbelievable. And, uh, you know, he missed a couple games. Case Keenum, the veteran, stepped in. They still have Davis Mills on the roster as well. But Devin Singletary coming over from Buffalo, he's done a nice job as well. So do I think Houston wins this game? It helps that Ward is out secondary-wise, if indeed he is out. But uh, I don't know on this one. This is one I'm staying away from. I just want to watch it. I respect Cleveland's defense, but Houston has a pretty good defense of their own. Cleveland minus two, 44 and a half, and uh, not going to make a choice on that one. Chiefs at home against the Dolphins. I'd love to take this Dolphins team, and early in the year, I thought they'd be in the Super Bowl. But with all the injuries and now the weather situation coming into play, I mean, you're going to be under 10 degrees with 17-mile-an-hour winds. I mean, nastiness. And Patrick Mahomes and company, they know that weather. Miami, they've played in cold before, but Tyreek Hill and if Jalen Waddle goes, they've all got to come through. So we'll see if Tua Tungavailoa and the Dolphins can stay in there. Remember, a lot of defensive players that are out, and that is big time there for Miami. Jump over to Saturday. Steelers and Bills, nasty weather again. Does it help only Buffalo? No, I think it helps Pittsburgh as well. They're from a cold weather city, and they're without T.J. Watt, their leader on defense. So it may actually help Pittsburgh a little bit more. Why? Because they have a pretty good tandem at running the running game there with Warren now helping out Najee Harris. So those two guys, Mason Rudolph, some dump-off passes. You know, if they can get some scores there in Buffalo, they can rely on their defense. They do get Minka Fitzpatrick back. That's big in the secondary. But the loss of T.J. Watt, probably going to be too much to overcome. Josh Allen and company, minus 10. I'd only look at the Bills on a teaser there. I'll stay away from laying the 10 points. I'll enjoy that one. 
Packers, youngest team against the Cowboys. Cowboys now only minus seven. They've been minus seven and a half for the last couple of days at the Westgate Superbook. Fifty and a half is your total. I love love. <laughs> Easy to, uh, if you're a Packer fan, to enjoy Jordan Love. Doing a nice job. And Aaron Jones is 100%. So I'm good with that. Cowboys, though, at home outside of the game that they uh, got the controversial ending and the win against Detroit. They're unblemished at home. That crowd's going to be into it. I think they win, but I think the Packers are a team on the rise. Rams and Lions, really going to be fun because Lions losing that tight end, that is big. Laporte has been outstanding, and that's why they let Hawkinson go, right, because they got Laporta, but now he's out. That's a big loss. Matthew Stafford, how healthy is he? He goes in there, now in a Rams uniform. It'll be a lot of fun for those Lions fans to give him a nice round of applause and then want to pummel him 30 seconds after that's done. Lions minus 351.5. I love Puka Nakua and company, but I'm going to say the Lions are going to win that game. First uh, playoff win in a long, long time. They only have one other one in the modern era. And then Monday, I'm going with the Hoaxers Eagles. They were two and a half. They're three now. I think they're going to get they're going to get well down in Tampa. They're going to take care of business, and Jalen Hurts is going to lead them, and they're going to win the game by double digits against Tampa. And that'll do it for this segment. Ken Thompson, Sportex Radio, 101.5 FMK Dawn, streaming live on that Odyssey app. And again, folks, you miss any part of the show? Just use that Odyssey Rewind feature. It is outstanding. Also, follow at Ken Thompson 87 at Sportex Radio. And uh, right there on X, I will pin those archives there as well. So uh, we will come back live from Vegas. Keep things rolling. Ken Thompson, producer Mark Hoke. And uh, great show in store for you. Keep it right here. Live from Vegas, you're listening to SportsX Radio. And welcome back. SportsX Radio on a throwback Thursday. KT in studio, PSBR Law Studios. Total nonstop action wrestling is coming live to the Pearl of the Palms this weekend on Saturday, January 13th and 14th. And our own Mark Hoke had a chance to sit down with current TNA digital media champion Tommy Dreamer and started off by asking him how he felt about the rebirth of TNA. It's a feeling of excitement when after Bound for Glory, when they revealed the Marvel teaser, the video, and I saw adults jumping up and down once the TNA brand, those letters came back, people hugging each other. And I love to experience things live in the audience. Wrestling fans are like no other. And it really made me realize a lot of things, you know, for myself, a lot of people look at my career and ECW, a lot of people grew up on ECW and it's what I'll be most remembered for. But wrestlers and wrestling fans grew up on that. It was the alternative. Now, ECW goes out of business, TNA comes in, and it was a launching pad for so many wrestlers' careers, as well as there were so many fans that grew up watching TNA. And now there's so many wrestlers that were TNA kids that are now watching. And it's not like, hey, we're going retro. We're going a rebranding and moving forward. It's acknowledging the past, but moving forward to the future. And it has a lot of excitement. I mean, you know, Vegas has a lot of stuff going on, but I love Vegas, but not for the reasons that most people love Vegas for. I love it for wrestling. It's been a diehard wrestling town for a long, long time. It doesn't get that notoriety. And I know every time when we used to go to Sam's Town, I used to love wrestling there. It was always packed, great, passionate wrestling fans. And now we're moving to a bigger venue in, in the Palms. We opened up more seats. Both nights are going to be really, really great. But there is a lot of excitement. 
because the wrestling business is exciting right now. I mean, it harkens back and I've been through a lot of changes in the industry, but to like, I would say one of the golden ages of wrestling and television was, you know, the Monday Night Wars. Now there's not really wars. There's okay. This night is for you. This night is for you. And Saturday and Sunday will be for us in in TNA because, you know, wrestling fans, when they know there's good wrestling, they come out and see it. Have you seen an era in wrestling quite like this? I mean, this is amazing how many opportunities are out there and just what is happening all over the wrestling community from the largest companies down to the indies. It's been pretty phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, listen, I grew up, I'm 52. I grew up in the age of the territories and I watched everything. And then here comes my career. There really, the territory started dying and there was only real three places to go and make a living. And that was WCW, ECW, and WWE. And then kind of the bubble burst. And then there was just WWE. And then TNA started. And then TNA kept on going. And then here came Ring of Honor. But that wasn't really a place that you could make a great, great living. And then they finally blew up. And and the pandemic hit. It was a scary time for every business. And then coming out of the pandemic, if you think about it, the, the beauty of pro wrestling and the beauty of TNA. TNA was the first company to produce live television, new content in the world. Nobody else was doing it because we were had all these uncertainties. We, this company never stopped. When WWE started letting people go during the pandemic, Impact slash TNA started hiring them. And it was just an uncertain time, but a lot of really, really good business as well as good faith with the wrestling fans because for a long time, TNA under a different management let the fans down. And now this has been on a a great streak and the fans have just been supporting professional wrestling. WWE is doing phenomenal business. AEW is doing great business. So is TNA. New Japan is doing good business. And it gives you, to me, like what I grew up loving, options to watch. And I never hated one wrestling organization or, or disliked another. I loved them all. And this is the era that I get to see. And so many men and women, and, you know, and I'm not just talking wrestlers behind the scenes. Everybody is producing great quality television and employing so many different people. Uh, it, it, it's an amazing time in the industry. I truly I love it. And if you think about it, you know how the industry grows. Everybody wants this thing called content and that content that's been around since day one of television has always been professional wrestling. What is making TNA special right now, not just to the fans, but but to all of you? Because it seems to me when I talk to the talent that there's a special place in the heart for everybody. You know, you, yeah. you all seem really close and we there's are. something really, I don't know, it's like an emotional bond that you all have back there. What is causing that? There's a lot of things I feel. One It was kind of our mentality in ECW where, hey, let WCW, let WWE do their own thing. We're the island of misfit toys, (laughs) and we're all happy together. And we had a very, very team mentality. I've worked every place, and a lot of it was more so a individual mentality, but we have amassed a great team, and that team goes out there, and if somebody gets hurt, it's like a football team. Everyone like rushes to the scene, drops to a knee, wants to see what's going on, wants to help. You'll be okay. It's an uplifting locker room. For me, bottom line, wrestling should always be fun and positive. And I kind of try to instill that. It's leading by example, as well as like, hey, we are a team. We have our backs up against the wall. 
but we're going to keep on thriving. And if this is a place that you want to use as a, I don't know, rebrand yourself or a place to heal, perfect example, Deanna Perrazzo. Deanna Perrazzo came to impact her words, a broken woman, and she was discarded by WWE and people behind the scenes, as well as her opponents, her people that she shared locker rooms with, we lifted her up and she became the best version of herself. And she was there for the longest time. Uh, I think it was five years. And now it was the best five years. And now she moved on in her career. Awesome. You didn't see any hatred towards her for leaving Impact. Everybody from Impact slash TNA was happy for her. And, you know, then there's also this coming weekend. There's a lot of free agents out there. There's a lot of people who are going to be coming to TNA and their careers are going to take a different turn. And, and it's going to be awesome. Uh, another perfect example is Trinity. Trinity had such self-doubt. These are her words, not mine, in interviews and stopped liking wrestling and doubting herself. And she's been one of the most dominating and she's a star. She's been one of the most dominating females ever since she came to Impact Wrestling. And you just look at her and like, how did you not see that in her? Cool. But that's been the nature of the business. I remember how many times I have the letter in my uh, photo album when WWE said, uh, we're not interested in your services. And then I also remember when WWE offered me a job and I turned them down. Or, hey, WCW let go of Steve Austin. I think his career turned out good for him. <laughs> it's what other people see in you, which is great. And that comes with variety. And, and you know, for this weekend... Another great example, Okada. Okada had such a bad taste in his mouth for TNA from the old regime that he just said he hated it. And then he realized like, hey, Scott Demore has been making a difference. He has love and respect for Scott and he's, he's come back. And I mean, that's a big deal. Alex Hammerstone being a free agent and then Josh Alexander saying, hey, you want to come and wrestle me at one of the biggest shows? Think about Josh Alexander's weekend. He has Alex Hammerstone the first night and uh, Will Ospreay the second night. And Will Ospreay versus Josh Alexander is one of my favorite matches I've ever seen. And now I get to see it again. So there's just so many different. It's a variety. It really and truly is. But yes, that team effort, there's pride and we should all take pride in what we do and we, we work. But it, we all kind of try to lift each other up, except for Moose. Nobody likes Moose. I don't like Moose. Well, that, like that happens. But yeah. of course, we're on with Tommy Dreamer. And you talked about the positivity. And, and it was funny. I just had asked Chris Van Vliet about that on Sunday. And how do you maintain that positivity? Of course, you know, you do Busted Open Radio and we do our show here. And a lot of times that negativity comes up a lot when we're talking about professional wrestling. How do you bring that positivity out and keep talking about it when everybody else out there seems to want to bring up the negative all the time? Man, because that's human nature. I mean, I, I don't I don't watch the news because there's a lot of bad stories. My mom, I lost her last year, and my mom a lot of times would be like, can you believe this? Can you believe that? All this stuff. And she'd be like, this person died. This person died. And then I was like, Ma, how many people were born? How many lives? And then, you know, she started trying to be more positive. And she used to write in the town that, you know, she lived. She still worked up until she was 83. And uh, she would write birth certificates. And she'd be like, I wrote 15 birth certificates today because it had to be handwritten. It's a weird law in the town that she lived in. But I was like, those are the positive things. You know, everyone wants to talk about the bad things that people do, but there's also a lot of good things that people and wrestling do. I've also been able to experience that. I've been able to experience that firsthand where people have told me their stories and how wrestling, either myself, ECW, or just wrestling has helped change their life. 
for me, wearing this, being 52 years old and and having a title, like I said, 2023 was one of the hardest years of my life. I lost my mom. I put my career on the line against a very, very talented wrestler, Kenny King. And I was willing to step away if I lost just because of my mindset and just like, hey, man, I, I, I've done it all. And if this is how I have to go out, I'll go out. And I wasn't in the best place, but it was where I wrestled. It was the place I first saw the show with uh first time I ever saw a live event with my father. And, you know, now my daughters were there. And man, when I won that title, it was one of the, I know it'll be when I say goodbye to earth, when I pass away, it'll be a moment that flashes back in my head. I was surrounded by love and people, friends, family, fans. My daughters were crying and like cheering for their father. And uh, it was an awesome, awesome moment. And it's a moment caught in time for me. But for that crowd, it was just like, wow, the local kid still did good. And I'm, I'm not a kid. But to win that title in that town, it meant everything. And it gave me hope. And I always say life is just like pro wrestling. You're going to get knocked down a lot, but you got to keep on getting up and keep on fighting. There, there's been so many instances of stuff like that to stay positive. We're not splitting the atom here. We're not curing diseases. We're professional wrestling. I learned it through Vince McMahon right after 9-11. He came to us in a time when we're all scared. And he said, it's our job to put smiles on people's faces and help the world heal. We were the first, wrestling was the first live gathering after 9-11. Another historic thing that wrestling has done. And like, I got my first feel of patriotism when he said those words. And I also understood the job. And you, you see it. And you experience it when you experience stuff live like that. It, it is. It's life changing. Or when people tell you stories about, hey, I have a really good friend. I listened to Busted Open every day when I was going through chemo. I didn't know if I was going to live, but you guys made me laugh when I was sick. You guys talked about wrestling that I'm interested in when I didn't think I was interested in anything. I mean, those are real life things it's, that are so powerful. So that's kind of why I chose this. And like, you know, I said, for however long I hold this title, but whatever my platforms are, I'm going to use it for good. If you go down that deep Instagram feed, it's weird and it's troublesome, but people do stuff for clicks and views as opposed to like real stories. And I've experienced a lot of real stories and a lot of greatness in people. And it's all through wrestling. Wow. I'll tell you what, if you are not excited to see Tommy and the TNA team after that, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. But, Tommy, I am going to give you one shot to tell everybody a little bit about what's going to be happening this weekend. Sell this thing because I'm going to be there, and I hope everybody else is too. Tell them about Hard to Kill and Snake Eyes coming up this weekend. If there's any been ever been somebody who's uh, been hard to kill, it's Tommy Dreamer. They've been trying to end my career probably <laughs> since about 1995 with a guy named Raven. <laughs> um, I love this business. I love entertaining. I love fighting. My match is not going to be a great wrestling match. I'm sorry it's not going to be. My match is going to be a fight. My match is going to be a violent war. The guy I'm wrestling, he's very, very talented. His name is Crazy Steve. He's also blind. He sees shapes where he's going to see 288 pounds of a shape coming at him. He stabbed me with a fork in my back for real. That hurts. Sadly, I've been stabbed way too many times in my life. He's talked uh, about my daughters. He's talked a lot of personal stuff. We were friends. All you had to do is ask me for a title shot. When you talk, you're going to see a violent match when you're seeing me wrestle. I'm going to bust out the old innovator of violence, and I don't know how many more of those I got left in me, but I leave everything out on the table when uh, I do. And then after my match, you're, you're going to see a whole lot of great wrestling and a lot of great wrestling matches. There's so many talented men and women 
wrestling is special, and I hope you're all there to see it live. There's going to be some great surprises. But most importantly, you're going to go home with smiles on your faces, and you're going to be like, wow, I got to put the real world away for a couple of hours, and I just really enjoyed what I saw from a bunch of hardworking men and women. And a special thanks to Tommy Dreamer for spending some time with us and with Mark Hoke. Catch the TNA show this weekend with Hard to Kill on Saturday, January 13th, and Snake Eyes Extravaganza show on January 14th, both at the Pearl at the Palms. Tickets still available at palms.com. And for the skinny on all the action, you can catch the Mark Hoke show right here Sunday morning, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on KDOM 101.5 FM. And of course, right there on that free Odyssey app. Download it now, A-U-D-A-C-Y, hour number one in the book, SportsX Radio. Ken Thompson coming back with Hondo Carpenter. Plenty of football. Keep it right here. We'll be back live from Vegas. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 7 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party! SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready, because SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. All right, KT back. It is PSBR Law Studios here in Las Vegas, hour number two on a throwback Thursday. And thanks to Tommy Dreamer, Mark Hoke, and everybody, hour number one, very busy. But now we centralize and focus in on football. And there has been a ton of football news, action, you name it. We've got a big wild card weekend coming up in the NFL. And, of course, just finishing up a stellar college football season. Nobody better to go over all of this with and always accommodate SportsX Radio with his time. Award-winning sports writer, Hondo Carpenter, does a great Raider podcast, actually does two podcasts daily, and of course, covering the Raiders inside out. So we'll get the skinny on the silver and black as well. Hondo Carpenter, follow him on X, formerly known as Twitter, of course, at Hondo Carpenter, just the way it sounds. Hondo, great to have you. My goodness, man, got to have that head on a, on a swivel, because every time you turn, there's another major monumental headline going down in the world of football. Yeah, there's a lot going on. It's been a lot of fun. I want to first say uh, I was the first national person. This was several weeks ago. It's documented in our podcast to say that um, I had heard that Bill Belichick would not be returning if um, he did not make the playoffs. I said it. I, I don't remember if it was week one or week two or week three, but it was one of them, in fact, was mocked by many in the media for saying it. And uh, But it came true. And, you know, and on a day that we lose Nick Saban, um, you know, again, I have so much respect for Nick and Terry and, and all the time with them over the years. Tremendous people. You know, you then turn around, you lose a Pete Carroll. Uh, just so many great coaches falling by the wayside and, and walking away from the game. It's sad, but it's, you know what, it's opening opportunity for the young ones, and that's what makes the game great. There you go, of course. But let's go first and foremost right here in our backyard, the Vegas Valley, and concentrate on what Antonio Pierce and general manager, interim general manager right now, Champ Kelly, have done. Five and four, nine weeks. You cover this team inside out as closely as anybody. You are privy to be with the powers that be, and you've got a great pulse right there with 
the Raiders here in Las Vegas. And Hondo, I'm going to go to you now because I was impressed again as the Raiders closed the season, 5-4 and four under Antonio Pierce. Didn't have a ton of time to kind of put things together. But there is no question that this guy motivates and he gets the most from players. And you can feel that. And the sentiments were echoed by Max Crosby, by Devontae Adams, and many others as well, including Raider alumni. Your feeling now as we wait, we're kind of like in that limbo period as the Raiders... They're going to make a move. We just don't know exactly what it will be. Where do you feel now that owner Mark Davis is leaning, or do you have a strong feeling? Um, Here is what I believe, and I want to preface it by saying this is completely my opinion. Um, I think, you know, I've said all along, whoever has Mark's ear is going to be the most critical. I think there are people in Mark's ear who would this would never be admitted publicly if he does if he hires them who would like mark to go in a different direction i think mark feels the pressure from the alumni he feels the pressure from the fans and understands that you know the, to this is a no-brainer i wrote an article today with some great quotes from jj watt i mean one of the greatest players in nfl history talking about you know basically essentially saying this isn't difficult. You go hire the guy that embodies your franchise, your players, your fans, everything. This is not an easy decision. It's not a, a difficult decision that I think is being made difficult. That's you know disappointing to me. But at the end of the day, uh, again, I know there are, uh, I believe I should say, there are voices in Mark's ear that probably want to do something differently. If he ends up hiring Antonio, I don't believe that would ever be admitted but I just cannot see him for the second time in two years going against his locker room, his players. I had one player tell me, you know, just don't tell us how much our opinion matters if you're going to not listen. And, and I think that's a big deal. And if he was a guy that let them get away with stuff and they weren't disciplined and they didn't win, I would absolutely make the case um, you don't want him as your coach, because he doesn't have any discipline. He doesn't bring anything to the table. But that's not the case with this. This this is not the case of how this man is operated. It's not the case with how it's gone on. The team's been incredibly disciplined. The number, the least penalized team in the National Football League after he took over two games without any penalties. Only two teams since 2000 have done that. And 01 and 013, the Patriots and the Jets did it Um the, the discipline he's brought, you've seen him kick guys off the team. You've seen him bring guys back down to earth who needed correction. Everything that he's done is work. The team beat everybody in the division. And this is a guy that's earned it. He didn't have a chance to pick his coaching staff. He didn't have a chance to lay out his philosophies in training camp and OTAs and May camp. Everything that needed to be done, he's done. This is an absolute no-brainer. And for people saying – well, but it's not a no-brainer because, you know, who else wants them? Look at nobody else is interviewing. Uh, yeah, now teams are asking for permission to interview them. And the same thing with Champ Kelly. There's a lot here, Ken, and I'm going to tell you, this is a legacy-defining decision for Mark Davis. If he does not hire AP, then whoever he hires next better win and win big because if not he's going to be remembered as the guy that had two coaches take him to the playoffs he fired them both who had two interim coaches where the team performed exceptionally well and his players wanted him and he didn't 
and then and, and he's listened and he's listened to the wrong people. Now, if he listen, Jim Harbaugh is a great coach. I'm not even. This is nothing to do about Jim. This is all to do about the Raiders. If you're one of the other 31 NFL teams and need to coach, Jim Harbaugh is your first call. But for the Raiders, this is a no brainer it's a higher Antonio Pierce I agree with you a thousand percent and let's go back and remember Antonio Pierce wasn't the defensive coordinator that's Patrick Graham wasn't the offensive coordinator wasn't a major coordinator he was part of that defensive team and we know his background as a player he was a guy that was always prepared on the field but he seemed to be prepared in the locker room to stand up to the powers that were before him and say hey look Patriot way not working. He, of course, went against the Patriots in several big games, member of the New York Giants. So he's somebody that walks to the beat of his drum and is convicted and stands on what he believes on. And we saw that in the way they coached this team down the final nine games. I thought it was outstanding, and I agree with you. To me, it's a no-brainer. And if you're going to go and put an interim coach in, and it's not your offensive coordinator at the time, it's not your defensive coordinator at the time, but you're going to listen to somebody else that basically stood up and was a voice to where maybe nobody else said what Antonio Pierce said. Maybe they wanted to, but they didn't. So if you give the guy the interim tag at that time, and he produces and goes 5-4 and four in the nine games with what he had had to work for and he has the locker room behind him he has the alumni behind him I agree Hondo Carpenter no-brainer to me AP should be the next coach in the silver and black well and there's another point I want to make out to you because you said he had never been a coordinator he was a defensive coordinator at Arizona State and so he had that coordinator experience that's mm-hmm. not the NFL I'm not pretending it is but he had it and here's the whole thing I'd like to take you back and your listeners back to a linebacker coach that a lot of people said was too young, too inexperienced, and yeah, the players liked him, but he didn't have the ability, the X's and O knowledge to lead. And the guy ended up being what the man with the highest winning percentage of any coach. He's a Hall of Famer by the name of John Madden. I'd like to take you back to a guy who was a position coach who then became an interim that a lot of people said you can't hire Al Davis did. His name was Art Shell. Um, I'll take you back to a guy that was a position coach that they said can't become a coach. You know, he doesn't have the ability. His, his name was Tom Flores. And I can keep going. This is, there's a lot of people that want to knock and, and, and say things, but I'll give you another one. I know a guy who's currently in the NFL who played for played on a team with Tomlin. Tomlin was not his position coach and played on a team with Um, Antonio Pierce was not his position coach and said to me, they are the exact same guy. And everyone said the Steelers were stupid for hiring Mike Tomlin. Everyone said that the Steelers, you know, were getting a guy who didn't understand all the parts of football in Mike Tomlin. Well, how'd Mike Tomlin work out? How about D'Amico Ryans this year? Mm -hmm. Who, I, I mean, in Houston and the job he did, I think he's, second best coaching job this year in the NFL, only behind the guy at Cleveland. But what a job that D'Amico Ryans did. Let's talk about Dan Campbell, who, you know, HCDC, who goes to Detroit, you know, a player, a former player, had been a coordinator, but a position coach who goes and does it. You know, let's talk. There are so many. The NFL is changing. The Pete Carrolls are getting out of the games. The Bill Belichicks are getting out of the games. And I hate to see it because I'm an old school guy, but this is a new school game. And for people saying, you know, Antonio Pierce doesn't have the X's and O's, 
This was one of the greatest linebackers of his era who, sitting in defensive meetings with the New York Giants, was pulling out film and things that he saw on the Patriots on film that he felt were weaknesses. I was at that Super Bowl, and he went into the game, and he had pointed out several things, and they had adjusted their game plan to how they were going to go after an undefeated Tom Brady, a man that wanted – that's the only record he wanted that, that he didn't get, which was an undefeated season like the 72 Dolphins. I think it was the 72 Dolphins. But And he goes up against Antonio Pierce, who was calling out his plays before he could even – um, you know, run them. And the deep defensive plan was amazing. I am very close with a wide receiver on that team who played on that Super Bowl team, who knows him very well, who has told me numerous times what Antonio was like, how that team's game plan all came from AP. And he stopped Tom Brady. You don't think he knows what offenses work against a high-quality defense? That's an insult to his intelligence. That's an insult. To, I mean, if you don't want him as a coach, that's fine. But don't be insulting because all you do is make yourself sound stupid. This is the guy with the Super Bowl rings uh, that he got, a, a ring he got at beating Brady. This is a guy who knows how to coach the game of football. And, oh, by the way, in today's NFL, the head coach doesn't have to be a, a proficient on both sides of the ball. His job is to set the agenda. Hey, when I played, this was the offense we had the most problems with. This is what I want. I want ground and pound. I want physicality, but I wanted the ability to go over the top and go find them. And I can tell you, and I'm not going to name any names, I know for a fact, not opinion, Ken, I know for a fact there are numerous horrific coaches that want to come coach for AP there are going to be numerous opportunities, and the guys there want to stay. He's going to have his pick of the litter on his staff, and there are free agents that want to come play for him. If Mark Davis goes somewhere else and it doesn't work, it all sits on Mark. It is going to tarnish his legacy. But if he hires AP and AP fails, everyone says, man, look at this guy. Look at what Mark Davis did, and he gets patted on the back. And if, if he succeeds – he did what his dad did and ushered in the next John Madden. That is great stuff right there. I agree with you a thousand percent. And of course, that win against the Patriots when they were 18 and 0, to me, the biggest game in NFL history. And I've always uh, debated with people that have said Eli Mannix, not a Hall of Famer. And I said, really? I said, I think he's won two of the biggest games in NFL history. Not only, to me, the biggest game when the Patriots were 18-0, and because, of course, like you said, the 72 Dolphins, and I'm a little older than you, so I remember that perfect team back in the day. But they didn't beat anybody that was over 500 during the regular season, going 14-0, and and then, of course, finishing it off with a 14-7 win against the uh, Washington uh, Redskins at the time, and uh, finishing off that 17-0. and And we know every year when teams all lose a game. They all crack that champagne, those that are still alive from that team, and of course the folks down there in Miami. But at 18-0, that Patriots team, and they were blowing teams out left and right. Brady and the guys, they were scoring a ton of points. They played the Giants late in the regular season, and that gave the Giants a little feeling that, yes, that we're not getting their A game here, but they do want to remain undefeated. They had already wrapped up home field advantage throughout, but we want to be able to see where we're at, just in case we get another crack at them. They did, and they came up with the big 17 14 
14-14 victory, the pass to Plaxico Burris, and of course the defense stepping up big time against Brady, holding that team and that offense to 14 points, AP like you said, a big part of that. So he knows the game, he's played the game at a high level, and he knows what it takes to get motivated and also, like you said, to know film, to study film, and to understand tendencies that he was looking across the offensive team for New England at that time and getting a feel of how they were going to be able to pull off the monumental upset, which they did pull off. And I think, Antonio Pierce, there's those things that you talked about that we remember back in the day, CBS Sports, Jimmy the Greek, intangibles. You talk about them all the time, Hondo, to me, Antonio Pierce checks the box with every possible intangible to get this job. Antonio Pierce may not be the sexy hire, but he's the right hire. And I want to go back because I have a lot of respect for Mark Davis, so this is not calling him out, nor is it a slam of his character and integrity. He's a good man. But he wanted the bright, shiny object, and he goes and gets Gruden. Failed. Then he goes and wants a bright, sunny object, goes against his locker room and brings in Josh McDaniels. Failed. There comes a time when the easiest decision and the simplest decision is the right decision. If he's trying to win a press conference, it's probably not going to be AP. But he's trying to win football games, and you want a leader of men. You want a guy that knows when to put a boot in somebody's can and he knows when to put an arm around him and hug him. You want a guy that has respect. You know, a lot of people hate Josh McDaniels, but even to this day, he's still universally respected as one of the best X and O's minds in the game of football. But he failed twice miserably as a head coach, not because people didn't like him. He's not an unlikable man. But he had no clue how to lead men. He had no clue... You know, he had guys on that team that liked him. They weren't mad at him, but he had no clue how to lead men. And I'll tell you a great story. Um, when they beat the Patriots, I had reported that it was the biggest game in Josh McDaniels' history. And I said, even if they went on and won the Super Bowl, it'd be, this will still be the biggest game. He beats the Patriots and was given assurances that he would be back for 2024. Now, had he lost that game, I believe he would have been fired. But he wins the game, buys him a little a little time to relax, and the locker room went crazy. And one of the players texted me after the game and said, so happy for Josh, so happy for Josh that they'd won the Patriots game. Now, it is rare that a player is happy for a coach. They're usually happy for themselves. And I thought, you know what, that's pretty cool. That next Wednesday – same player calls me and says, F him. I can't believe this guy. He goes and beats his old team, all the pressure to win that game. And he doesn't even act like we won a game. He's just right back to his process. How can you play this game and not have any fun? They weren't mad at Josh. They didn't hate him. I had players tell me things like, I just think he hates his job. I don't know that he likes football. I mean, he just doesn't seem to be enjoying it. Then you get an AP who comes in, and you know what? These morons ripping them for smoking cigars in the locker room. Now, I'm not a cigar smoker, uh, but I'm just saying it had nothing to do with smoking cigars. It was the team doing something that they hadn't done, enjoying a win. Years ago, Don Shula told me, 
You never apologize for the win in the, in the National Football League, let alone a road win. He said to me, any road win is a steal. I don't care how many points you're favored by, to go on the road in the NFL and win a road game is a steal. And when you saw these guys, they were excited about winning. They were excited about being together. I, I had a situation the other day, Ken, you'll appreciate this. I'm sitting in my office. I had just gotten off the plane and very busy, and my 18-month-old Dexter comes into my office. And I'm, 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 I've got an article of some breaking news I've got to write. And he stands up next to my chair and says, Dada. And I looked at him, and I smiled, and I said, hey, buddy, I'm going to get in it, but i gotta, I got to write this. He said, Dada. And I'm like, just one minute, buddy. And he began to whimper. And I looked at him and said, you know what? The day's coming when you're not going to want to get in Dad's lap. I said, I can stop my article for 15 seconds to pick you up, hug you, and let you know I love you more than anything in the world besides Mama and Jesus. And at that moment, I just stopped and gave him a hug and celebrated being a dad. Now, I'm going to take that to that football team. It isn't about cigars. It was about a group of 53 men that get a lot, paid a lot of money because every time they step on the field, they risk their life. And, yep, they make a lot of money. But this is still a game. And Bobby Bowden once told me, the moment it's no longer fun, you'll never get the best out of your guys. And Antonio Pierce understood, I got to make this fun again. There's a lot of talent here. We got to make it fun. And he stopped and let them enjoy the moment. And the team was completely different. That, my friend, is what AP brings. You can't bottle that. You can't sell that. You can't go bring in another coach who's going to bring in his own regime and everything else. And I'm telling you, Harbaugh's a great coach, and I think he would win. But you can't get a guy to bring in what you've got right now. And my word, you don't want to be the team that's three years down the road and you didn't stop and hug your kid for a story that doesn't even matter today, let alone in three years. But it matters now. He is the Raiders' best, and in my opinion, only choice. Great stuff. Hondo Carpenter, award-winning sports writer. He'll stay with us another segment. We'll take a break. SportsX Radio on a throwback Thursday, 101.5 FM Dawn, and, of course, streaming live on the worldwide Odyssey app. It is Ken Thompson, SportsX Radio, live PSBR Law Studios, coming right back. Keep it right here. Cortex Radio on a throwback Thursday. KT in studio, PSBR Law Studios, rocking and rolling 6 to 8 p.m. Monday through Friday right here on KDON and the Worldwide Odyssey app. Hondo Carpenter, love getting this guy. And really, I've been spoiled because Hondo has accommodated me now several weeks in a row. And just the way that he just breaks everything down. He's like a storyteller. I used to love Vince Scully. He was my favorite play-by-play guy. Why? Because the Dodgers could be losing 11 to 1. Who cares? Didn't matter. Scully's telling stories, baby. You're going to keep it on. You're going to keep listening. I love that because I get that feeling from Hondo Carpenter. Very uh, enjoyable stuff that he brings here to SportsX Radio. All right, Hondo, like we said prior to talking about Antonio Pierce, and we're both on that same page, hoping he gets that Raiders job full-time and Champ Kelly, the GM, full-time. But so much has happened in the world of coaching over the last several days, and you touched on it early with uh, Belichick and Pete Carroll, NFL. But let's start with the greatest of all, at least in my lifetime, Nick Saban 
reflect on him walking away, and I know you're close to the family, so kind of break that down in a couple minutes on what he meant to the world of college football. Um, I'm, I know what you meant by that, but just so your listeners would know, I'm not close to Belichick's personal family, but the people around him, his football family. Um, I would say this. <clears throat> Bill Belichick, what made him great was that he absolutely was engrossed with the game of football. I have never talked with another human being that knew the game of football better than Bill Belichick. I remember standing there one time watching him, and he was just standing. And he runs over to a guy and has this blow-up. And then he goes back to work. So I talked to the player and I said, what was that all about? And he said that my uh, left inside foot was two centimeters off. And he goes, and I, I, I go, what did he blow up for? And he goes, because I told him how big is a centimeter. And he goes, that when it was a pass, I was keeping my feet closer together than a run. And he noticed that and said that that, that two centimeters is giving things away. And he goes, and he got mad at me that I didn't know what a centimeter was. And he goes, I go, wow. And I go, okay. And he goes, but don't worry, it's Bill. He goes, the moment he corrects you, he forgets about it. Uh, he has a short memory. This is a guy that, you know, it wasn't rah-rah. This is a guy that wasn't going to be best friends with everybody on the team. He was there completely focused. Now, what made his eventual weaknesses were what most of us do. Most of us, our strengths become our weaknesses. And his lack of ability to relate to people, to personalities, and as people changed, and this is a different era, as people changed, people begin to tune him out. And once he lost Tom Brady, there is no position in any sport, including hockey goalie, there's no position in any sport as vitally as important as quarterback in football. And he got away with a lot. Because Tom Brady, the greatest ever, was his quarterback. Now, I'm going to give you an example. Tom Izzo is a Hall of Fame basketball coach from Michigan State and an absolute dear, close friend of mine. And years ago, he told me this, and he's always maintained it. When your best player is your hardest worker, you, are, you can have a championship team. Because people aren't going to follow the coach. They're, they're always going to follow the best player. And he always says, a coach team is not as good as a player coach team. That's why he never went to the NBA. He would have went to coach a Kobe Bryant because Kobe was the hardest worker on the Lakers, but he never went because he never could get a team where he felt like the best player was a Kobe Bryant type where they're going to be the hardest worker. Now you go to Belichick. He had that with Tom Brady. The best player in the world was also the hardest worker. And so Belichick and him were a great marriage, but it didn't work when Belichick didn't have him because he didn't have his best players being his hardest workers. And that's what hurt Bill Belichick. Do I still think he can coach today? Absolutely. But he's got to go to a team where the best player is the hardest worker. And that's hard to find and rare to find, but he's a treasure. I care about him. I can tell you he cares a lot for people. 
He does come off as a curmudgeon, but when you get around him off the field where he trusts you, um, he's a guy that has a lot of fun, and he's a good guy, and I respect him. No doubt about it. 24 seasons, six titles, taking care of business in a big way on those Patriots sidelines for years. Of course, from the Parcells coaching tree, right, a uh, member of those New York Giants teams with uh, Bill Parcells. How much influence did Parcells have on Bill Belichick? Oh, man. I mean, the biggest. Um, his father and Bill Parcells were two of his biggest influences. And, you know, he came, he didn't have Bill's personality. Uh, Bill Parcells had the ability to be very acerbic, but also very warm and gregarious. That wasn't Bill Belichick. And so, I mean, and one of the things that I respect about Bill Belichick is after he left the Browns, he decided, I can't be Bill Parcells. I got to be me. And I have said this to you before, Ken, privately. I don't know if I said it on your show, but I don't care if somebody agrees with me politically, spiritually, or anything. I can deal with genuine people. I can't stand the people that aren't genuine. And one of the things that I admire about Bill Belichick is he did it his way. And it worked. Many will call him the greatest NFL coach of all time. I don't think he's the best coach over the entire sport, but I think he's the best NFL coach at all time. And I applaud him because he did it his way. Rather than die a cheap copy, he's going out an original. Great stuff from Hondo Carpenter. Let's reflect now on Pete Carroll. Pete, 14 years there with Seattle. Of course, me being a big USC Trojan fan, got to watch him bring the boys from Troy back to uh, respectability and more than that to win some titles. Uh, one, of course, vacated with the Reggie Bush situation. But other than that, he did a masterful job there. And then he bolted really uh, prior to those 30 scholarships being lost over the penalty with that Reggie Bush deal and bolted for Seattle. So he was scrutinized for that from some of uh, the folks that said, hey, he's not sticking around to take the take the medicine that uh, is deserved for that whole uh, deal there. But nonetheless, he went to the NFL and he did a pretty darn good job there with that Seattle Seahawks team. And, of course, got a Super Bowl, uh, maybe should have gotten two, but uh, somebody that I always enjoyed on and off the field. I didn't know your relationship with Pete Carroll, but reflect on his career. Hmm. First of all, one of the most underrated coaches of all time. He goes to win national titles in college, built a dominant program, and then goes to the NFL and builds a dominant program in the NFL. One of the nicest human beings you'll ever be around. Loves people, cares about people, has a heart for people, knew every one of his players by name, knew their family situations, loved their families. This is a guy that loves talking football, loves talking anything, loves people. This is a guy that has been consistently, in my opinion, disrespected when talking about some of the greats. You know, they has the things happened at USC with Reggie Bush. He didn't know about. And now he's responsible. It's his program. I 100% agree. But didn't know about it. Okay? So I don't have any asterisk on Pete Carroll for that. Then he goes to the NFL wins big. And one of the things that made him a great coach, and I, I, you know, I've had coaches that coach for him tell me this, 
is he let his people coach. He didn't try to micromanage people. He didn't try telling them what they could and couldn't do. If he hired a guy, he trusted them. I can't tell you the number of people who have used the word to describe Pete Carroll with trust. He trusted people. And we live in a jaded world where a lot of people don't trust anybody. But you know what? To be successful in this life, I'm not going to let the last person who did me wrong hurt the next person who may do me right. And I think that was one of his legacies. Now, I'll tell you this. If I was hiring a coach today and not the Raiders, I wouldn't interview Bill Belichick. I would interview Pete Carroll. I still think there's a lot of gas in the tank. If I was a college team right now looking to rebuild, if I was a college team right now, if I was UCLA, I'd fire Chip Kelly and hire Pete Carroll right now. I don't care how old he is. That's a guy that's got a lot of gas in the tank. And I know a lot of 30-year-olds that don't have his energy. He's just one of the finest people in the world to be around. He's a good man. And, you know, Belichick, you like to be around him uh, off the field. Carol, you like to be around him anywhere on or off the field. Just a great guy. Yeah, no doubt. And of course, uh, living in SoCal and hanging out Manhattan Beach, I mean, Pete Carroll was one of those guys, grabbed that boogie board, he'd hit the waves early, and then he'd be down, you know, helping out the homeless. They didn't know who the heck he was when he was head coach of USC, but he was down there, uh, not with a an entourage or not with, you know, bodyguards, but maybe with a few select friends that were there and helping people out monetarily. And he did that a lot. And you're right. You talk about that person that Pete Carroll is. I respect him big time as a man and as a head coach. Nick Saban, get him in. Can can I tell you one more story since you brought that up real quick? Sure. I know a guy that walked on and played for him at USC. Okay? Walked on. Kid never saw the field. Ever. Got really down on life had some bad things happen to him and got really down on life. And one day, Pete Carroll runs into him. Years later, in another city, Pete walks up to him, puts his arm around him. says, how are you? He said, good coach, you remember me? And Pete Carroll gets tears in his eyes and said, what? What in the world did I fail as a coach to make you think I would ever forget you? Wow. That's, that is the man that Pete Carroll is. He is genuine. He loves people. And he's a good man. Great stuff. Hondo Carpenter, our guest, and uh, we're going to take a quick break. Come right back with Hondo. Finish things up. We're going to keep him for a few more minutes. We are live. SportsX Radio 101.5 FM Dawn streaming live on that Odyssey app. Live PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas. It is Ken Thompson. It is SportsX Radio. We'll be right back. All right, SportsX Radio Throwback Thursday. One more segment, a short one here with Hondo Carpenter, and uh, again, privy to have his time here on a Thursday. Great insight, of course, but that's what we expect from Hondo Carpenter. We talked about Belichick. We talked about Pete Carroll, one of the greatest of all times, college football, Nick Saban, yesterday announcing he's walking away from Tuscaloosa. And of course, this guy, the winningest coach that I've ever seen, and he is unbelievable, to say the least. Hondo will reflect on... Coach Saban, and then I'm going to go rapid fire and get your plays as far as the NFL wild card weekend. But go ahead, you got the floor. 
I, first of all, think that Nick Saban is, uh, Bill Belichick is the best NFL coach of all time, but Nick Saban is the best football coach of all time. I had, I, I've had so many numerous dealings with him and Terry over the many, many years that I've known him. Tremendous man. Um, I'll tell you one of his biggest strengths. So when a player goes to play for him in college, he gives them a three-by-five card. And he says to them in front of their parents, I want you to write on this card what every dream and goal you have that when you leave here, you will have accomplished. Now, every player puts the NFL. You know, many put a college degree, whatever, but they put their goals on there. And he looks at his parents and says, okay, do you, I want you to read them. And he makes the parents read them. Then he has the parents sign the card and the kids sign the card. And then he says this, I am going to hold your son to the standard that he told me he wanted. Nobody's graduated more players than me, and nobody's put more people in the NFL. So I know what it's going to take for him to reach his dreams. So if he calls you complaining about me, then you need to know he's complaining about himself. Don't call me because I'm holding him to the standard and I'm going to coach him and push him so that when he leaves here, every goal on this card is reached. He doesn't take calls from parents who want to complain. He doesn't tolerate it. Don't call him. He's not your buddy. But his kids graduate. They get degrees. And they go out, and many of them get to the NFL. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I have a friend that played for him. You know who he is, Musin Muhammad. Musin got in trouble at Michigan State. Everybody assumed Nick was just going to kick him off the team. But Nick didn't. Now, there's a lot of morons who love to spout opinions who said, oh, he was more about winning than what was right. That had absolutely nothing to do with that. And Nick talked about it years later when he said, the kid, the guy went on, spent years in the NFL. He's a super successful businessman, multiple children, all college educated, his daughter's in Ivy League schools. And what would we have done throwing him back on the streets? And he goes, his best place to be was at Michigan State getting a degree. And everyone said Nick was only, made those decisions only about winning. And I'm going to say this. I know him personally. So if you don't, and you're saying that, you're a liar. Because I know what went into his decisions. He didn't need to keep a lot of those. He did at Michigan State. When he got to LSU and he got to Alabama, he had guys stacked like cordwood. He didn't need to keep those players that got in trouble. He could have done it and been cheered for being a disciplinarian. But it was always about people. He was raised in a middle-class family. His dad owned a service station. I, I, if I've heard him tell stories about his dad and, 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 and his work ethic, once I've heard it a thousand times. And he learned how to work hard. And to him, hard work meant everything. To him... It wasn't about the money. It was about respect. It was about, I'm going to outwork everybody. And Nick Saban had a way of making everybody around him. Years ago, Irvin Johnson, I know fans know him as Magic, but when you've known him as long as I have before he was world famous, we called him Irvin, and, that, and he, we still do. 
But Irvin once said to me, because, you know, he failed as a coach and, and at the Lakers. And he said, the difference between a good player and a great player is a great player is a good player who makes everybody around him better. A good player doesn't make people better. It's about him and his stats. But a great player is a good player who's learned to make everyone else better. And he talked about it was very hard to coach when you have that certain type of work ethic and other people don't because you hold them to the standard you played at. Nick Saban was able to hold people to a standard and recruit people who were willing to play at that standard. I'll never forget one time we were sitting in the basement of uh, George Perlis, who you remember, remember was the defensive coordinator for all the Steelers teams that won all the Super Bowls. He was a second father to me. We're sitting in George Perlis's basement, and it was after a Michigan State win. And we had talked about Bobby uh, um, Knight talking about it isn't the will to win, it's the will to prepare to win. And I'll never forget Nick was sitting in this basement after a big win, and he was depressed just depressed because they had won but didn't play well. And he turned to me and said, you want to know the worst thing? I'm going to clean this up a little bit. But you know what one of the worst things about being a coach is? I said, what's that? He goes, when your team wins the wrong way, because then I've got to go teach them, you got to play the right way. But they're like, coach, why? We took a shortcut, but we won because the next team isn't going to take a shortcut. And that was Nick. He was always looking for the edge. He was always, even though his father's gone, always, I always took it as he was trying to please his father. Supremely devoted father and husband. Supremely devoted. Him and Terry are like my wife and I. They're peas in a pod. they both on the same page. They both beat to the same drummer. And I think what made Nick great was that he made everybody around him better. And he has a saying, high achievers hate mediocre people, and mediocre people hate high achievers. The people that didn't like Nick were mediocre. I don't like Nick. I love him. That is outstanding. Great stuff. I mean, unreal. I can't wait to go back and listen to the archive myself right here on Odyssey. We got the rewind feature. And of course, folks, you miss any part of the show, any interview with Hondo Carpenter, go back on X. It'll be pinned at Ken Thompson 87 at SportsX Radio as well. But the Odyssey rewind feature is outstanding. You can listen to the show back in its entirety. Save the couple minutes to get the prognostications from one of the best in the business, Hondo Carpenter. We'll go rapid fire. Browns and Texans from Houston on Saturday. That's how we start things off. Browns are minus 244 and a half and a chance Denzel Ward may not be able to play. Tweak the knee yesterday. We'll wait and see if he's able to go on uh, Saturday. But who do you like in that one? Texans at home. D'Amico Ryans, you mentioned him against the Cleveland Browns who have been playing pretty good ball, especially on the defensive side of things. I love everything about Houston, but defense wins championships. And C.J. Stroud, who I think is the next superstar in the NFL, facing that defense with playoff pressure for the first time, the way Joe Flacco's playing, I'm taking the Browns, but I'm hoping for Houston. 
KC minus four and a half at home. Looks like it's going to be cold and windy. Dolphins beat up on the defensive side of the ball. Had to make some quick signings real quick with Justin Houston and uh, Bruce Irvin coming over trying to get ready to give them a little ammo on defense. We know they've got playmakers. They haven't all been healthy, but it's going to be cold. Can Tua get the ball to some of those playmakers, including Tyreek Hill? Chiefs at home minus four and a half, 44 and a half. Finesse, finesse. I'm taking Kansas City in the cold, and the Dolphins are too beat up. Steelers, Bill. Steelers get in there, but they're missing their main guy on defense, T.J. Ward. They do get Minka Fitzpatrick back. Mason Rudolph, yes, he's been guiding that sleigh through the snow. Three straight games for the Pittsburgh Steelers. May have a lot of snow in Buffalo. Going to be cold up there as well. Bills found a way to get it done to be that two seed by beating Miami in that finale. They're minus 10 at home, 35 and a half. Bills Mafia fired up. What about Honda? I think Pittsburgh loses to the eventual Super Bowl uh, representative of their conference. I'm riding with Buffalo here. Packers and Cowboys. Packers, the youngest team. Line has dropped down a half point. Dallas now minus seven, fifty and a half from Big D. We know they're unbeaten. Controversial win to close the season against Detroit. Your take, Cowboys and Dak, minus seven for Jerry Jones, fifty and a half the total against that Packers team that looking pretty good, at least future wise, but a nice job to close out the season with a home win at Lambeau against the Bears to qualify and make the postseason. I am absolutely a fan of what the Packers are doing. I I believe in them in the future. I think they're great. I am not a fan of Dallas when there are expectations. They're perennial underachievers, but I think they're too much. I think they get this one at home, but I think anybody that thinks they're, they're any shot at winning a Super Bowl is deceived. All right, good stuff. And then the finale on Sunday will be the Lions at home. And when you miss a... Uh, Good, solid, young tight end like they're going to be doing. That's going to hurt a little bit. But the run game, pretty solid with Montgomery and Gibbs. Jared Goff, when he has time, he's shown that he can pick defenses apart. Rams, we know with Aaron Donald, they're going to do what they can to get in his face. And, of course, the Rams with Puka Nakua stepping up big time. The rookie at a BYU helping out. And we know Cup is the real deal. What about it? Rams catching three. How healthy is Matthew Stafford? And who do you like? Lions minus three at home, 51.5 from Ford Field. The Lions are not used to being here. You can tell they're tense. They're banning people from wearing Stafford jerseys going into Ford Field, which is just stupid to me. Um, I think the Rams are too much. Matt Stafford's going to be too motivated. I love him and Kelly. Know them. They're just tremendous people. Uh, I'm riding with the Rams in Detroit. All right, and then Monday, a team that's really been slumping, my producer Mark Hoke, his Eagles. They're laying three in Tampa against Baker Mayfield and company. Mayfield getting beat up in the last couple games of the season, but he's a gamer, no doubt, and the Bucks end up winning that NFC South. Eagles minus three, 44, Monday night, how we finish out Wild Card Weekend. You know, I love Baker Mayfield. I think he's the comeback player of the year. I love what Tampa did this year, but Philly's still Philly. And at the end of the day, there's there's too much talent there. Jalen Hurts is too good. And I just can't see them losing in the first round. I know they've not played well, but I fully expect them to get it back together, and I expect them to win that football game. Hondo, you're outstanding. You're a true professional, and I just love having you on SportsX Radio. Great stuff. Hondo Carpenter, again, follow him on X, at Hondo Carpenter. That'll do it for us on a Throwback Thursday. Looking forward to Friday football fiasco tomorrow. 
Folks, you know the rules. No drinking and driving, no texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas, SportsX Radio, 101.5 FM Dawn, And, of course, we stream live on that Odyssey app. Archives up in about 45 minutes. Use that Odyssey Rewind feature. Folks, have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. God bless. Good night, everybody.